Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So people who are old like me are very familiar with a TV show called The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone was so classic that it's been remade several times. The TV show has been remade several times in addition to there being at least one movie that I know about. And basically the show started in 1959 and it was a show in which some main character would find themselves in some kind of alternate reality at some point. And the Today Show described it as being either science fiction, horror, or fantasy. And what the creator, Rod Serling, was trying to do was to send messages about social issues in a way that was appealing to the viewer, that the viewer could hear the message without it being so obvious. And this show, whether you followed it for the social messages or you just followed it because it was super interesting, there was always some kind of psychological issue that was being illuminated in the show. And People who are old like me, my generation, will often say, gosh, that thing that happened was like being in the twilight zone. And everybody knows what they're talking about when they say that. So personally, I often find myself in situations in which it feels like I'm in the twilight zone. And case in point, I have a couple of friends who we all meet at a restaurant once a month and we are always there at the same time. We make a reservation for the exact same time and we always stay until after closing. We are always the last people in the restaurant and it's always the three of us and we always get two different waiters. And every time we go back to this restaurant, now, we have been doing this at the same time every month for years. And for at least a few of those years, we have had the same waiters every time. And every time we go, and the last time we went, the same thing happened. The waiter introduced himself yet again, and he asked us if we had ever been there before. Now, not to say that we are necessarily super memorable people. However, same time, and we stay till after closing. We are often the last people in the restaurant. I think nine times out of 10, we are the last people in the restaurant, and yet, these waiters never remember us. And we're baffled by this. It's a small restaurant. It's kind of like most of the people change because it's part of a hotel. So I would guess that most people are different every time, but we are not. We are there every single month. And every single time we get reintroduced to the waiter and he asks us if we've ever been there before. And after a while of this happening, finally, 
I said to my friend when she brought it, she brought it up first. When my friend brought it up first, I said, exactly. I felt like I was in the twilight zone when he reintroduced himself yet again and asked us if we had ever been there before. Now, this twilight zone feeling sort of shows up in all kinds of different places in life where it's just sort of this weird alternate reality feels like something psychological and crazy and feels really like a mind fuck for lack of a better term. Now, this happens to me often. I have another friend who who works in a wellness facility who I know many of her coworkers and I have regular contact with them as a psychologist. And every once in a while I will be talking to her and she will talk about a patient who came to the wellness center and talk about how crazy they were and tell me that that person is so nuts and they need a therapist. And the first thing I say is, you know, I'm a psychologist, right? And you know, I do work with patients from your facility and you do have a stack of my cards on your desk. And then she kind of like laughs and blows it off. And I don't understand what's happening. I mean, it's not like she's ever been my patient and knows how good or bad I am, but she knows me as a person and she knows me well enough to be my friend. And she knows I'm professional and all of her colleagues trust me. And yet this ends up being a conversation over and over again, as if she's talking to somebody who is a plumber, not a psychologist. And so it always feels super weird. Like there's some kind of block to her seeing what I do for a living. And I don't know what to do with that, but it feels like I'm in the twilight zone. And this happens as a psychologist in other areas too. One day I was talking about feeling too exhausted to go to dinner with a different friend. And her answer to me was something about stress and how I should watch this person on YouTube who basically tells you how to deal with stress and how to do a better job of ignoring your feelings. And she tells me about how wonderful this person is. And I've said this before, I have an issue with people trying to distract themselves from their feelings. Feelings are important and guide us and help us to make better choices in life. And so I am not a huge fan of somebody who's really good at ignoring stress and exhaustion and has a way of helping you to do so. But my friend anyway went on and on and on about turning things around and how this YouTuber is so good at helping people turn things the other way and 
not having to deal with exhaustion and stress. And I'm thinking to myself two things. One, I'm thinking, what are this person's credentials? And does my friend have awareness that I am a licensed psychologist and this stuff is like something I know so well, I don't even have to think about it because I've been doing this for decades. Um, and then the other thing that I'm thinking is like, what is this? Why is it not okay for me to just be exhausted and not want to go to dinner? It's just where I'm at. Why are you trying to force me to go to dinner when I, I am clearly not interested in talking anymore, in putting the energy into a group thing? I'm done for the evening. It's the end of the day. I'm going home. It just kind of feels like, okay, what, what is this? Are we in the twilight zone? Am I in the twilight zone? And then it makes me wonder if I get this kind of stuff as a psychologist where people are sort of willing to overlook that I'm a psychologist, that it's not glaringly obvious that I'm a psychologist, do they do this to other people? Does this happen to cops where they talk about someone who should have been arrested or needs to be turned into the police? Does this happen to plumbers where people talk about some issue that's going on in their house with the plumbing to their plumber friend and fail to acknowledge that their friend is a plumber? I don't know. Is it just what I do for a living? Or is this how people are in general? Which is super weird, which is why I'm in the field I am in because people are super weird and that is super interesting to me. But this Twilight Zone stuff just kind of shows up everywhere. This isn't really completely limited to outside of therapy. This actually happens in therapy quite a bit too, where I will assess somebody. I'll spend time interviewing them for over an hour about their history. Um, we'll start working together. I'll work with them for quite some time. And then they'll start to ask questions about their diagnosis, or they'll start to tell me about what they think their diagnosis is. And, and I'll say something like, okay, here's why I don't think that this is your diagnosis. These are the symptoms that are needed to make this diagnosis. I think that your diagnosis is this instead because of this symptom and how you told me about that in your life and this symptom because of what happens with this in your life. And so I explain in detail how I arrived at their diagnosis. And then what will they say? Yeah, I'm not sure that's it because I've been looking on the internet and I think I'm more like this. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, so again, what are the credentials of the people on the internet for one thing, but also like if you don't trust the psychologist in front of you, who knows you very well and has a lot of education in the field of mental health, 
and has a lot of experience with mental health and diagnosing, why is it that you need to look on the internet to justify your own diagnosis rather than asking the expert what they think? I, I don't get it. It's like being in the twilight zone. So I guess it's not just limited to psychologists because I hear this too when people tell me their stories about their experience with their medical doctors. They will tell me something to the effect of, I don't trust my doctor. I don't think my doctor really knows what he or she is doing. Um, they told me this. I think they're wrong. Okay, that that might, might be valid. But then a few minutes later, I find out where the person gets their information from. And it's like, my neighbor Florence down the street, well, her son had something similar and she told me that she thinks it's this. And so I trust Florence. It's like, really? Okay, so you trust your neighbor who lives down the street, who isn't a doctor, but likes to gossip and tell stories. And that's the person who you trust to tell you what is wrong with you medically. Okay, yeah, uh, Twilight Zone. So I have had people tell me that they had a bad experience with their doctor and when their doctor was out or busy, they saw the nurse practitioner instead and decided they liked that person better. Okay, I get it. I totally get it. You know, sometimes the nurse practitioner has better bedside manners than the doctor. I totally get that. The part where it gets weird is when someone actually says, and someone has said this to me, I believe that nurse practitioners are more educated than medical doctors. That's what's weird is because that's factually incorrect. They are not more educated than medical doctors. In fact, a nurse practitioner is not factually as educated as a medical doctor, but people like to twist things so that the facts match their emotions. People like to spin things in a way that suits their personal needs. And a lot of times that means they will even change the facts to mirror their point of view. I mean, how do you change facts? Facts are facts. But yet this is what I see happening over and over again with people. It's really interesting. And again, it feels like the twilight zone. Now, this doesn't just occur with patients. I see therapists doing this as well. I actually had someone say during the pandemic that they read a study that said that internet therapy, meaning when we do therapy through Zoom calls or online video chats, that that is more effective than in-person therapy. Now, how is this possible? This is not 
at all possible for human beings. Seeing somebody on a video screen and, and also, especially with all the ridiculous technical problems that go along with doing internet therapy. Somebody doesn't have a connection, somebody's phone dies, suddenly the thing goes silent or the video goes away. All the ridiculous problems that have happened, and it's not just me, everyone who does video chat therapy has encountered these ridiculous technical problems. In what world is video chat therapy more effective than looking at someone in the eye, face to face, reading someone's body language and making them feel safe in your office? In what world is this more effective to be on a video chat? That is not possible. Sorry. What I do think is possible is that a lot of therapists during the pandemic learned that they could save tons and tons of money by not paying for office space and found a way to justify that video chat is, and I think it's a stretch to say it's just as effective. I think that is a, is a stretch in and of itself. But then to say it's more effective than personal interactions, sorry, not possible. But again, Twilight Zone, people have to change things around to make sure that it goes with their version of the truth rather than what's real. Now, other people have mentioned this, and a friend pointed out something that is kind of controversial in today's climate, but basically there's this. There came a time when all models who were modeling clothing or shoes or makeup or whatever they were modeling were far too underweight. In fact, anorexic is probably the best way of saying it. They were so vastly underweight that they might qualify for a diagnosis of anorexia. And by the way, in order to qualify for a diagnosis of anorexia, you have to be 20% below normal body weight. Now, we all could look at models and recognize pretty easily that they were at least below weight. I mean, the psychological stuff behind what makes a person anorexic on the inside is another thing. But there is a measure to tell if somebody is anorexic, and that is based on a percentage of body mass index. And But we can eyeball somebody who's a model and, and know that they look sort of like a stick figure and be able to tell that they are vastly underweight just by looking at the picture. And I notice that a lot when I'm watching movies and I see mostly actresses and I look at them and I see how skinny their arms are and, and they look so fragile. And so it has become sort of a problem in our society that we uh, expect 
those who are modeling to or acting, as the case may be, to uh, look a certain way on camera. So now we all understand that. What has happened is a complete pendulum swinging in the other direction type of situation. Now, just as we are clear about what people who are underweight look like, we are also clear on what people who are obese look like. There is an indication for that that is also a measurement of body mass index. But I don't think that you need to measure in order to be able to see it. And this is the thing that has happened, that instead of responding to the anorexia plague, responding to models and actresses, actors who are underweight by showing normally sized people, we have instead started showing models and actors and actresses who are obese. And I don't think this is any better. By pretending that someone who is in a different way at risk for many very serious medical conditions, including death, just as an anorexic person would be at risk for death, we're pretending that people who are morbidly obese or generally obese are normal-sized, and they are not. I run several times a week, and it is difficult for me to run a trail. So when one of my favorite athletic clothing companies put a picture in their advertisement of somebody who is morbidly obese running a trail, I have a hard time believing that that's a normal activity for that person because I know how hard it is for me when I'm mostly in shape, but how could somebody who's so vastly overweight be leisurely running a trail? And I feel like this is more of that Twilight Zone stuff. It's this mind fuck about what is reality and I'm getting tired of it. Why does this pendulum have to swing completely in the other direction of, of illusion, delusion? Why can't we just come to the middle and say, okay, people with an average body mass index, those people should be our average Joe or average Jane not people who are on one extreme or the other. And so this kind of keeps going on and on. And I try not to make too many political statements on this podcast because I don't want it to be about politics. And enough people are out there shouting about politics right now. But this is where it gets me as a psychologist is there's a lot of twilight zone kind of strange delusional stuff going on right now that's a total mind fuck for all of us and so i'm trying to figure out 
how this works in the brain, how people turn things around in their brains. And I did get sort of an answer to this when I was doing therapy one day as I was pondering things. And I remembered that there's something that happens when I'm doing trauma work with people. And a lot of the trauma work has to do with going back in time, going to very specific memories and how people felt during these traumatic memories and what they noticed as they go back to these traumatic memories. And there's one thing that sort of always stands out that a lot of people will have a visual when we get to a certain place in therapy, they will become aware of something that stands in the way of them facing the reality of something. And a lot of times that visual is either a barrier, a door, a wall, a block, a gate. It's something like that where people can see visually that something is preventing them from accessing the other side of their brain. And we're not trying to bust through the door or anything because we believe that, you know, as long as you're working on things, that door, that barrier, that wall will come down when your brain is ready to handle what's on the other side. And until then, we just kind of notice the wall or the door or the barrier. We just live with it. We just kind of notice how it is. And I think that that barrier, that door, that wall, that gate, that block is sort of the twilight zone in and of itself where people create an alternate reality and live in a way that is not real, that is unrealistic, that is not seeing the forest for the trees, not seeing the full scope of everything, bending reality to match a person's emotions, that people do this. They bend reality in order to support their point of view. Uh, there's an author by the name of David Green who writes books on real estate investing. And he has said that information gives people knowledge, but emotion gets people to act and puts them in action. And I think that that is sort of the answer to this Twilight Zone dilemma, that people are motivated emotionally to live in this twilight zone kind of world and for whatever reason they are unable to cross over to cross through the door into reality there is some reason that there is a blockage and so what ends up happening is i understand that from a trauma perspective but it sort of bleeds its way into everyday life where people live in this weird, screwed up reality in which they don't see everything around them. So that's my two cents on that. I don't know what to do with that, but these are just thoughts that have been 
on my mind lately, and I'm sure that you observe similar kind of situations in your life. And just know that you're not alone. We all see it. Be well, and thanks for listening.